1: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
2: I'm God in the flesh. And what does God in the flesh have to say? He even takes the terminology from Daniel, where the Ancient of Days bestows a kingdom that lasts forever among, upon the Son of Man. And he calls himself the Son of Man. I mean, when people say, I don't know who Jesus is, or Jesus claimed to be, never claimed to be God, he never. all he was was a teacher, you can't read the first three chapters of John's Gospel and come away with that understanding. You just can't.
0: Every chain of the past, you've broken into all the fear of the lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you. Oh,
2: is impossible.
1: Hello, and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Pastor Keith Crosby lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us here on the broadcast today, studying God's Word. We would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, we'll be continuing with our Decoding Jesus teaching series. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us again to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study
2: today we're going to continue our series on the Gospel of John. We're talking about the historical Jesus. We're studying the historical Jesus from the most reliable historical text there is, and that is the Gospels. In this case, the Gospel of John. Uh, Last time we were together and I preached, we talked about the message of Jesus, and we understood that Jesus had a particular message, and that message is, is that our salvation comes from outside of us. We are born from above, that we have to be twice born because we all are born physically, but there has to be a spiritual rebirth, and that Jesus is the only means of that spiritual rebirth, which doesn't always play that well in our 21st century society. Being born from above speaks to being conceived from above, and in the English text, it's translated born again. And our salvation is a great gift. And today what we're going to do is talk a little bit more about the message of Jesus. We're going to continue in John chapter 3. We're a little bit beyond his uh, interaction with Nicodemus, but still in the neighborhood. We're in John three sixteen through 21. And let me just set this up for you. I've entitled this message, Why Good Things Happen to Bad People. And I know you're probably saying, where on earth did you get a title like that? Well, you'll have to wait around to find out, but basically, it sounds like a strange title for a message, but when you really think about the gospel, God sent his son to save those who were lost, bad people, right? The Bible tells us there's none righteous, no, not one, but I actually co-opted the title from another, a a Christian thinker who was uh, lecturing at the Harvard Business School on Ethics. And he was invited to speak on why bad things happen to good people from a Christian worldview. And as he thought about it, well, there aren't any good people; they're all bad people. That's why they need saving. So he turned the question on its ear, and partly out of John three sixteen through twenty one, he presented the gospel to these business students and helped them and asked them to question why do why do good things happen to bad people? So that's what we're going to do today. Our text is uh, John chapter three verses sixteen through twenty one. And John 3.16, if you've ever drank out of an in and out cup, you know it's on the bottom. Some of us are old enough to remember the guy in the end zone in the NFL games holding up the sign. But John 3.16 is part of a larger block of thought. And you know, we're kind of soundbite people. And a lot of times, we forget that John 3.16 is the introduction, It's just a piece of what Jesus is talking about here in verses 16 through 21. And so today... We're going to look at it a little, a little bit differently. And we're going to look at it in context, not as a standalone verse, not as a soundbite. So let's read the passage, and then we'll work through it together. John three sixteen through 21. Jesus talking to Nicodemus. This is the aftermath. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So this is the larger block of thought. And what I want to do is sort of just talk you through it now, kind of inch by inch, and then we'll get into the heart of the message. So we start out with John three, sixteen, for God so loved the world. Here we see the motive love, right? We also see this. That there's a lot of confusion about the word world there. What does it mean? Some people think it means the environment, the oceans, the trees, and including everything. And to some extent, the Bible does teach that redemption is uh, cosmic in the sense that the whole world groans under the weight of sin. But what we'll see in the context here is world refers, refers to all kinds of people from all kinds of places. How do we know that? Look later on in verse 16 that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life doesn't say that whatever it's using whoever referring to people and so a lot of times you know the calvinist arminian debate people talk about what does this mean what this means here outside that debate but in the text is god so loved all kinds of people in all kinds of places that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him would not perish but have eternal life that's the scope of the love of god and then he talks about the reason for Christ coming into the world. And you begin to see the problem with the world. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The goal is salvation. The goal is restoration. The world is under, is, has a terminal illness called sin, and it kills, and it needed a rescuer and so God sent Jesus to rescue. He is the cure for what ails us. In verse 18, we see this, that God does love and God does save, but God also judges. You know, a lot of times we like to think about only the good stuff and not the sad stuff. And We like to say, well, you know, my God would never, and then we feel, it, like, you know, send somebody to hell, judge this out or the other, but the bottom line is is, Jesus, is it described Jesus being full of grace and truth? God is full of grace and judgment. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And don't misunderstand me when I say he's full of grace and judgment. I'm not calling him a wrathful, mean God. But the bottom line is he stands ready, willing, and able to rescue, to forgive anybody from anywhere, no matter what they've done or where they came from or what they used to believe. But only those who embrace Christ receive the rescue, and the rest are condemned. It's an inescapable truth, and they're condemned already because they've already been living a life apart from God. They've already been seeking their own autonomy, uh, and they refuse the gift that God offers. Verse 19, and this is the judgment. This is the evaluation. This is the sentence. This is the declaration. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. I said this earlier when I was teaching an ABF class. People are like tubes of toothpaste, or people are like tea bags. When you get a tube of toothpaste and you squeeze it, what comes out? Hopefully toothpaste, right? uh, What's inside of the tube comes out. And when, the, when Jesus came into the world and preached his message, and God sent the light, you know, in him was light and the light was the life of men, right? And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. John one. The light revealed what was inside of people. So that squeeze, he put the squeeze on, you know, or you put a tea bag in hot water and what comes out of the tea bag, it's not ice cream, right? It's tea. The heat releases what's in the bag, and the light exposes what's in the heart. Look at verse twenty. For everyone who does not who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You can see God birthing people from above because those people come to the light. And you can see the wicked remaining in their sins and trespasses who want nothing to do with God, rejecting the light because the light, Jesus Christ, their response to Jesus Christ reveals what's inside of them. And so, you know, even look in our world today, most crimes are committed at night, right? They're not committed in broad daylight, and Jesus is the light that reveals what is in man and what mankind wants. And so why do good things happen to bad people? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at the message of Jesus, and we're going to understand, and we're going to ask and answer three questions based on the message of Jesus here in this passage so that we can understand the grace of God and the justice of God better. And when you think about that God sent his son to rescue bad people like me, and bad people like you, bad people like us, we didn't deserve it. And the question is, well why is anybody saved at all? Why do good things happen to bad people? And the answer to that question is this, because God chose to love and to rescue. God chose to love and to rescue. Look at John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world, all kinds of people from all kinds of places, that he gave his only son, his one-of-a-kind son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God, or because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God chose to love. Why to good... Things happen to bad people. Why are people saved at all? Why is why is anybody saved? Because God chose to love and to rescue. God loves. God took the initiative. We see that in First John four nineteen. What does First John four nineteen say? We love because He first loved us. In Romans nine, fifteen and sixteen we see this. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So it does not depend on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. God chose to love and to rescue. Romans 5, 6, and 8 says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for what? For who? The good people, no, the ungodly. Verse 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, still uninterested in him, Christ died for us. What does this mean? You know, a lot of people say, I don't like being called a bad person. Well, that's the way it is. That's what I am. That's what you are. We're bad people. We are unlovable and we were undesirable. But God so loved these people he created in his image and likeness that he sent his son to die for bad people like you and I. And his motive here is love. And, you know, there's a passage that I did not put in the notes, but you might want to write this down. And if you can, turn there to Ezekiel 16, 3 through 6, because this is a picture of God choosing to love Israel. And And he's talking to Israel when it's in rebellion, and he says, so why did I choose you? Why did I love you? Why are you God's chosen people? He says, you weren't special. It weren't because you were big. It wasn't because you were magnificent. And then he gives this really graphic description of how they were and how he is And it says, Thus says the Lord of God to Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother was a Hittite. And as for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, and wrapped in swaddling clothes. No eye pitied you to do any of these things for you out of compassion. But you were cast out into an open field, and you were abhorred, and on the day that you were on the day that you were born, And when I passed by, I saw you wallowing in your blood, and I said to you in your blood, live. I said to you in your blood, live. What we see here is this. We were wallowing in the mess of our sin like Israel. And God looked at us and said, I'm coming to get you. God had pity on us when we weren't pitiful. You know, when we weren't lovable. God chose to love Israel the way he's chosen to love us as Christians. Those people Uh, that he initiated that he sent his son to die for he didn't have to we didn't earn it we didn't deserve it he loved he took the initiative he took the first steps for God so loved the world for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son why do good things happen to bad people because God chose to love the unlovable now you may ask the question wait a minute bad people why do people really need to be saved I mean you know what's what's going on here why do people need saving? Why are people condemned in the first place? Why, why, why all these hard, harsh, seemingly harsh words? Why are people condemned to hell in the first place? Answer, because men, man, people choose to sin and reject forgiveness. Because they choose to sin and reject forgiveness. Where do we see that? We see that in verses 18 and 19. Look with me there. For whoever believes in him is not condemned. Those who trust Christ are not condemned. Those who embrace Christ are not condemned. Those who believe and embrace and receive the message are not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. They were already condemned. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Anything else? Yeah, verse 19. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Therefore, everyone who refuses forgiveness remains as they were. Therefore, while some receive better than they deserve forgiveness, grace, love, others push the gift away and and, and experience what they do deserve. This is the message throughout the Bible. You see it in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. What we earn, what we deserve is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8, 6, and 7. For the mind set on the flesh, who hates the light, is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And it cannot because it loves darkness better than light. It is unwilling and therefore unable to embrace the light. Instead, So forgiveness is offered. The gift is set before it, and it pushes it away because it likes things just the way they are. That's why we read in John 1, 11, and 12, and 13, he came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God who were born of God. Some people just won't come. Some people just won't listen. Several years ago, my wife and children and I were walking at the beach, and in the beach where we grew up in Savannah, Georgia, there's this bend in the beach and there is a riptide and an undertow. It's, it's a perfect storm for death. And they have these huge signs that say, do not swim here. And the people from the area, do not swim there. But what happened instead was, there were two guys swimming there. And I felt bad, because I knew, you know, it's not easy to swim in a riptide, particularly if you're a tourist. So I went up to them and I said, hey, excuse me, I don't want to, I'm not trying to invade your space or tell you what to do. But you see these signs here, you know. There's an undertow here and there's a riptide. And unless you're experienced, you know, you could drown. They basically blew me off because they enjoyed what they were doing and they didn't need a message of rescue or a message of salvation. And I didn't check the papers to see what happened next, but, you know, we went on and they went on and hopefully they survived. But why are people condemned? Because they reject the message of rescue, the message of forgiveness, the message of love. They prefer godlessness. They prefer a life without God. They, per- they want to be their own God. And so God so loved the world that he sent his son, and he didn't send his son to condemn the world but so the world might be saved through him. But these people don't want that forgiveness, and so they're condemned already. Because each and every person, the wages of sin is death. We've all sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody needs a Savior. And God demonstrates his love toward us, Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us they don't want that, and so they reject the gift. They condemn themselves. They break fellowship with God. They ignore God. They ignore his pleas. They ignore his call, and they suffer the consequences. Which brings us to another question. Well, what about other people who've never heard the gospel and don't know any better? What about, what about good people who are just ignorant of the gospel? There's no such thing. There's no such thing. Why? Number three, because there is no neutrality There is no neutrality. There aren't good people and bad people and people in between. That's a human construct. A lot of times as human beings, we like to sit in judgment over God and the way that he works and what he writes in his word and the way that he operates. And so we come up with these scenarios, but we're asking the wrong question because we're looking for the wrong answer. That's why that Christian thinker turned that question on its ear. Why to Bad things happen to good people. No, why do good things happen to bad people? In Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6, it makes it very, very clear that the heavens are portray- are declaring the glory of God, and day to day pours forth speech. And there's no place where their voice isn't heard. In Romans 1:18 through 19, it says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress, hold down, ignore the truth." For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. In John three twenty and 21, we read this. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The believer wants to glorify God. The unbeliever doesn't want anything to do with him. There is no neutrality. There is no, you know, we try to break things into categories. Believer unbeliever and in that unbeliever category atheist and agnostic those categories are human concoctions. in reality there is no such thing as an atheist and there is no such thing as an agnostic there are only people who suppress the truth and unrighteous and whether somebody lives on a hill in Kathmandu or somebody lives in Sheboygan Wisconsin or in Sunnyvale California they can look around them and sense the presence of God they can see his handiwork which he has made visible his invisible attributes, Roman tells us, are made visible by everything that he's made. And so there is no neutrality. There are just people who seek God, and there are people who won't. And so we can't, we can't pretend. We can't set ourselves up in judgment over God and say, oh, well, what about the poor person who's just ignorant? Nobody's ignorant. There is something in us. God has created us with, in his image and likeness, and we have certain attributes. We, we, we have an inert, an, excuse me, an innate in an eight, morality. We know right from wrong. I've talked about it before. When you see a little kid about to do something wrong and he looks around, he knows, she knows. People know right from wrong, viscerally. And people know that when you look at this, create, just like you look at this room, you don't think this room happened by itself, do you? You can see the hand of man everywhere. And when you see the creation out there, the sun rising and setting on schedule, not randomly, you see the design. You, see, you look at the complexity of the human body, the human brain you know that it came from somewhere and there was no accident. Everybody is without excuse. And so there are people who will not come to God because they don't want their deeds exposed. And there are people who come to God because they want God and they want everybody to know that God is and God has saved them because God sent his son in love to die for their sin. So there is no neutrality. Good things happen to bad people because God chose to love. He chose to send his son. He chose to rescue. Men need rescue because human beings choose to sin and choose to reject forgiveness. And if God didn't intervene, we would be lost. And every human being, every man and woman and child is without excuse. There is no neutrality. And why does God do this? What is love? And this isn't in your notes, and this isn't in the slides. I want you to think about this. What is love? We think of romantic love. We think of Teammate love, you know, and stuff like that. But sacrificial love, the real love, the biblical love, is God choosing to benefit other people through righteous words, actions, and deeds, with no thought of what he's gonna get in return. What are you gonna give God? He owns everything. Real love, love that you have, agape love, lo- sacrificial love, is and I'm just summarizing First Corinthians 13, 1 through eight, is choosing to benefit other people through righteous words, actions, and deeds. And God chose to benefit us that while we were godless, while we were still helpless, at just the right time, Christ died for us.
1: Pastor Keith Crosby with today's Grace to Live radio broadcast. We so very much want to thank you for taking the time to join us today to study God's Word. And it's important that we let you know that we feel so blessed that you join us here each day on the program. Please remember, Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside Church would love to hear from you. So please take a moment to drop us a line or shoot us an email to let us know how we can be praying for you. Here's how you can contact us. The church mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can also visit our website at hillside.org where you can find out more information about Pastor Keith, view our calendar of upcoming events here at Hillside, and also get information on our service times. If you're close to the San Jose area, we would love for you to join us for worship. We are now offering two Sunday morning services here at Hillside Church. The first beginning at 9 a.m., and the second starting at 10.45 a.m. And we'll be continuing with our Spanish language service starting at 10.45 a.m. Remember, if you need more information on this or anything else happening here at Hillside Church, just visit our website at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll make plans to join us again next time as Pastor Keith continues decoding Jesus in our walkthrough of the Gospel of John. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves, And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, may the Lord richly bless you, and thanks for listening.